0: Everybody. welcome back to another episode of Pot On You Loons. I'm Justin. Pot On You Loons. This is Sam. It's just Justin and I today, the original
1: hosts of the show. Nate's going to join in a little bit. He's going to come on and talk all about the U.S. Men's National Team because Nate, our Portland Timbers correspondent on Pot On You Loons, he is now the second former guests to pot on you loons to decide they want to start their own podcast
0: so yeah they get a taste with us sam and then they're just like you know what i like the podcast life yeah the podcast life is good i
1: i'm back from podcast paternity leave you couldn't keep me away that long well we're happy
0: to have you back it's good to be back james is in austria somewhere somewhere beautiful right the pictures he's sending us are just top notch right yeah
1: and like the big beers that he's getting. Man, just good times in Austria. I wish I was there. I don't know, man. Hey, we're we're both teachers. We're both getting back to work. I had my first day of school with the kids today.
0: Have you had yours yet, Justin? I don't even know. I haven't even gotten a chance to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we, uh, we start next Wednesday. So uh, this week has been workshop week. We had a workshop day last week. So it's kind of like the... You know, the getting back into the swing of things, I am very tired for having to go like do a job for eight hours, though. Definitely, definitely got to get back into the swing of things.
1: Now, you and I worked together, but I think we worked together at the semester. You were there for the second semester. Yep. So we did not work together for a teacher workshop week. So I don't know what kind of teacher workshop week teacher you are. Are you there, the
0: one? There are different kinds?
1: There are different kinds, right? Like there's there's the one that takes notes on everything. There's the one that, you know, asks a lot of questions. There's the one that, you know, sits in the back and kind of tries to tune everything out and just get through it as painlessly as possible. How are you during teacher workshop week?
0: Well, I try not to stress too much. I think some people get kind of caught up in being like overly anxious about the impending load of children in your life, right? Like that's kind of people that aren't teachers. I don't know who has jobs like ours, Sam, where every year it is great to have like the kind of the, the clean slate, but it also is kind of nerve wracking, right? Because you don't know what you're going to deal with. You don't know what kind of kids you are going to have all that stuff. So I try to like be a little low key. I take some notes, not all the notes, Uh, I guess just what's important. I, I don't know. It's it just, it's, I, I, I kind of like workshop week. I, I try not to let it stress me out too much, but yeah, I definitely try not to take it too seriously. I think I'm roughly what you described. I think I'm maybe a little bit more
1: jaded than you are. And we, we've talked about this a lot with just kind of all aspects <laughs> of the job, but I think I'm a little bit more jaded in the sense that I don't always believe that the information or the, like what's being presented to me is relevant. Uh, okay, um, You know, cause right. Like, Cause we have been conditioned to think that like, okay, this is what we're doing for three years. And then three years from now, some we're gonna pay someone a lot of money to come in and present something that's almost the exact same thing, but has a different name
0: and some new buzzwords. <laughs> like, you are pretty and Sam, you're ad you're admin. Like admin are supposed to be the ones that are all about the the new lingo and everything. Like, were you cross your arms in the back of the room kind of guy before you, uh, before they gave you the keys? Uh, so <laughs>
1: when I was in charge of scheduling professional development, there were, I won't say which ones cause I don't want to offend anyone. Cause like some, <laughs> some, uh, some teachers are very adamant about certain initiatives in the education world right now. And there are a few things where I was just like, I'm not going to schedule that. That's a waste of everyone's time. That's not going to be a thing in five years. So, like, those things I didn't schedule. I typically would schedule things that were more based on the specific curriculums that the teachers were using. And then anything that was, like, legally required, like bloodborne pathogens or um, mandated reporter,
0: or, you know. Yeah, we, we actually, so there was a, not to get too far into the weeds, but I, it made me think of you. Um, We, we did a, we, they were talking about the CPI team at our school. Oh yeah. I'm not not currently on the CPI team, but I remember in that semester, I was at the school with you. I had to go to CPI training and all I remember is feed the bite. That is like the. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yep. So for for the non. For the non-teacher people out there, CPI is Crisis Prevention Institute, and it basically is training on what to do if you're attacked. So feed the bite, <laughs> right? Like if, if someone's biting you, you, you kind of press into where they're biting so that they release their jaw and you can then yank your arm out or whatever is being bitten out. Because if you just pull, then chances are you're leaving behind some skin or like sa- same with hair, right? Like, <laughs> you're right, right same with hair. If, if someone ever pulls your hair, you kind of feed that, that grab because then you can kind of then yank back and not lose part of your scalp. It it also trains you on, on sort of like an emphasis on last resort, like emphasis on last resort, just different holds that you may have to use that you know, I've been trained every year. It's very, very rare that I have to do it. It's, it's only if, uh, it's, it's really only if a child is endangering themselves or someone else.
0: No, no CPI training for, uh, teaching distance learning this year, Sam. No. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) not a lot of uh, holds through
1: the, through zoom. I, I think I announced this two episodes ago that I, I found a job at an all online school, I uh, wasn't necessarily seeking it out, but saw it and it really fits my it really fits my lifestyle of having two kids under the age of three. So I am now all online. So, no, I do not have to be CPI certified this year. But I have taken that training so much that I think I, I still could t- step in need be <laughs> not that it would ever happen online.
0: On that note, uh, blank screens, lots of them your first first day
1: or like kid, not many like kids not wanting to use their webcams right
0: that kind of stuff
1: yeah like i don't know i i told all the so i'm with high schoolers now and i told all of them i said you know we're we're together all year long this will be a more positive experience if we get to know each other and it's going to be a lot easier to get to know each other if we have our screens on i think i'm still in sort of the winning them over stage. Like I I can't tell them, Hey, I'm going to mark you absent. If you don't turn your screen on, or I can't say, Hey, I'm going to dock you points if you don't turn your screen on. So I don't really have a lot to do if they don't want to turn their screen on, turn their cameras on, but I I really am encouraging it because I'm teaching some fun classes. I'm teaching some cool subjects. I got, right. I got history. I got politics and I have sociology. And there are some great discussions you can have. And even if you're not interested in that sort of thing, just work and school and all that sort of thing, it's more fun if you have relationships with the people you're going through it with. So I'm, I'm encouraging kids to turn their cameras on, but I don't know, man. I wasn't a long distance teacher last year. What is it? What do you do to get them to turn their cameras on?
0: I mean, it depends on the kids, right? So, like, I, I talked to some people who just struggled the whole year trying to get kids to do it. It, it really depends on the kid. Uh, there, you might you know, you know, might have kids that that kind of have to need to set the tone for the class. Like, they kind of set an example of, like, oh, it's kind of cool to have your camera on and participate a ton. It definitely is like a herd mentality thing when it comes to it, right? So, I guess it just depends on your classes. For sure.
1: Well, yeah, so I I mean, so it's a Tuesday night. We normally record either on a Sunday night or a Monday night. I think uh, with the school year starting back up and my new kid and then it was my wife's birthday kind of thrown in there, that really got lost in the shuffle. Uh, We're recording on a Tuesday night. We should settle soon and kind of be back to our normal schedule. So we thank you for bearing with us. But the news, man, just kind of more of the same. Everyone's (laughs) everyone's hurt.
0: Everyone's hurt. Should we rapid fire this? Sure. You, Franco you, Fragapane, thigh. Th- Ooh, how about you say the name, I say what's hurt. Okay, Franco Fragapane. Thigh. Robin Ludd. Calf. Emmanuel Reynoso. Thigh. Jan Gregus. Ankle. Nico Hansen. Hamstring. Juan Agudelo. Thigh. Justin McMaster. Thigh. Joseph Rosales. I didn't
1: even know he was the team with. I didn't even know he was with the team yet.
0: But it's his knee. Jeez. Hey. Also, uh, I think I saw somewhere like a tweet that Reynoso has like four injuries. Like he's just super banged up right now. Obviously, from all the mugging he's been receiving this season.
1: Yeah, the, like the board game operation. It's normally that guy with the red nose. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna have to be him. Like there's gonna be a Minnesota United edition, and it's gonna be him. Poor guy. I mean, it's impressive he's held up this long, to be honest. Uh, We're not the only team dealing with this right now. Uh, Columbus Crew also going through quite a few injuries, including someone very close to our heart, Kevin Molino, out for at least nine months with a torn ACL. That sucks. Huge bummer. I'm glad he got his money because I I think we all kind of wondered if this would be coming, not necessarily an ACL, but just... Right. He he was starting to be injury
0: prone and man, that sucks. He's a good guy. He's a well, good that guy. was, I mean, that was the thing, right? We talked about how last year was just a great season for him. And part of it was because he managed to stay healthy for the most part. It's just a bummer. Just a bummer to see that happen to him. For sure. Uh, with all these players that are currently out, there's
1: two weeks in between the game we just played at Houston and our game on September 11th at Seattle. So I'm hoping that most of them are back. We're kind of hearing that a lot of them should be back. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. But with that, we do have some people coming in. So we we have a signing on a free transfer. MLS veteran Fenindo Addy, he's coming in. Like I said, MLS veteran, he's 30 years old. He's a striker. Nate's going to talk about him later. I'm giving you kind of a preview when Nate's done talking about the U S men's national team and world cup qualifiers. I do ask him about Addy and Nate has a lot of really good things to say about him because he was a Timbers player and he won a championship with, with the Timbers and Nate has some very fond memories and some great insight on him. So I encourage you to kind of keep your ears open for that as we kind of progress through the episode. But more importantly, Justin, what's his FIFA rating? Well, I'll
0: give you the good news: uh, is that because of his success with the Timbers, uh, he has a real face in the game. So, Ooh. if you pick up, if you, you have FIFA and you decide to to pick Finendo up on your team, he will have a real face in the game. I'm guessing, and obviously, like FIFA is not the end-all be-all, but part of the reason why he was available for a, a free transfer at this point. He doesn't have a lot left in the tank in the eyes of, of the world, it feels like. He is a currently a 65, 65 on FIFA, which is not good. What is Hunu? He's got to be like 80, right? Uh, oh, let me look it up. I think he's a 70-something. Uh, the best player on our team is Reynoso, and I think he's like an 80. Okay. Hunu uh, is seventy three, which I think I've said before. Like for MLS, if you're in the seventies, you're good. If you're in the eighties, you're phenomenal. So sixty five isn't—it's not terrible, but it's just not like from what it sounds like this guy was for for Timbers and and Sam. You and I—we're not huge, you know, MLS minds. Like our fandom kind of originates from the birth of this team, as we've right. told before. Uh, but it sounds like he was a great player, e- even against us, right? I think uh, what was it? Uh, James shared a-, a tweet with us, or not t- was it a tweet? Something, uh where there was a game that we played against them like four years ago, and uh he had two goals and Olam, I can't remember his first name, also had two goals. So two L- Lawrence Olam, yeah. Yeah, so two two guys that played for us four year four or five years ago or whatever were tearing us up. That was our like first game ever in the MLS, wasn't
1: it? Oh, possibly when when we just got destroyed by Portland. I'm pretty sure because
0: I don't remember getting completely destroyed by Portland besides that game. So obviously, this is a a situation where we are desperate for bodies. You know, hopefully he has something left in the tank. He's tall; he's six foot four, so I like that. So we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens with him.
1: Absolutely. So I'm I'm going to just kind of fact check if that was indeed the first game of Minnesota United history. But in, in other news, Nabi Kimaguchi called back from his loan with Sacramento Republic, one of the Loons first round picks from the Sacramento area. He's been on loan with them in the USL championship this season. First reported by the insider account, Minnesota's 11, that he was going to be recalled from his loan to make up for all the injuries we have going on. And then, yeah, of course, he was seen on the bench at Houston. He did not make an appearance, though. This kind of seems to me like it might be a single game recall. You do see that happening. That would make a lot of sense, given that, right, like even in this sort of dire situation with this many people out, he still didn't see the field. So I, I can't imagine that once these players are coming back that he's really in the plans for Minnesota United. I could be wrong. I don't really have anything to go off of that. I don't really have anything to go off of that by other than just my prediction based on what I see happening. But I'm assuming he's going to go back to Sacramento Republic.
0: No, I, I just wonder if that it, it probably has everything to do with Bakaidabase being unavailable due accumulation, right? So, our depth at the back end is tough because he's a he's a center back. I think <laughs> I think I saw him listed as like a midfielder somewhere, but like I thought, I think for sure he's a center back. Maybe he does a little bit of both, but I'm guessing this was just giving us some extra back end depth for for a game where we were missing one of our center backs and just missing so many people in general.
1: And yeah, he de- He is a center back. Way to put me on the spot, man. I have a a one-and-a-half-week-old at home. (laughs) I'm starting a new job. You just hit me with the tough Loons trivia. But yeah, as I said earlier, the Loons now have a two-week break before traveling back to Seattle on Saturday, September 11th. So, Justin, let's, let's provide a little bit of a review of Saturday's match at Houston. You want to give me a rundown of that lineup?
0: Yeah. So Miller in goal. Miller doing great in goal. Gasper, Coleman in for Debase, and Boxy and Metinere for the back line. Uh, Trap and Alonzo were the mid. Go ahead. Well, hold on, right? like Because we have all these injuries, and then
1: Debase also out on yellow card accumulation. Just insult yep. to those wounds. Just, in, just in, a ton of- insult, insult to injury. <laughs>
0: uh, insult the wounds. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Gasper, Coleman, Boxy, Metnair in the back line, Trap and Alonzo in the midfield, and then uh, attacking midfielders, Dotson, Hayes, and Finlay, and then Hanu up top. And we're going to talk about great game for our boy Hanu. Uh, subs were in the 59th minute, Fernando Adi replaced Corey Hayes. It seemed like when that happened that we went to a two striker formation, which have we ever seen that before? I don't think
1: so. I get I get confused because I hear people bring it up like all the time in their like fantasy loons where they're like, Well, what if we had Christian Ramirez play alongside <laughs> Angelo Rodriguez? Or what if we had yeah. But no, I, I've I don't remember a two striker formation. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't bet that it's never, ever, ever happened, but I don't remember one.
0: Yeah. And then another move, another move that happened was in the 79th minute, Yuka Ritaya replaced Adrian Hanu. So two subs, like we probably could, we probably couldn't do much more after that, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, we are running out of players on the bench, but yeah, so they scored early. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't tune in the game right away. Uh, so when I jumped on in the second minute, Sam, like they had (laughs) just scored. So not great. We've, and I think we've had this happen before, Sam, haven't we? You know, we we get jumped on real quick. We're such a good defensive team, but like if you, you sometimes, I mean, it's sometimes that's just what happens, right? The team will just hit you, hit you pretty good and, and get a goal.
1: Well, and with this team and just, how people were feeling leading up into the match where, because really, right, we've we've talked about this all the time, like since the first four matches of this season, Minnesota United, pretty damn good. Haven't lost much. It's been two or three losses since the first four games. Don't remember the exact number, but a lot of draws that felt like losses, especially recently. And, right, like a lot of pessimism among Luton's fans leading into this game. A lot of questions that needed answers. People questioning how the team is handling Adrian Hunu and using him. It was really great after that initial goal comes in and we're just feeling so low in the 16th minute. Not only does Minnesota United get on the score sheet but it's Adrian who knew.
0: Yeah, Sam, I know I probably should remember what the goal was. Do you remember what this goal was? I definitely remember the second goal because that one was a beauty. What was this goal like?
1: Dude, again, man. (laughs) So we were going to record Monday night and I had listened to Post Loons by Jeremy Rushing. I had listened to that to kind of refresh my memory on what this game was like. Because the second one, that was the one where it went from Addy to Finlay to Hanu.
0: Yeah, that was that was beauty.
1: Yeah, that was great. This one. Yeah, you're right. Who did get the assist? Was it Finlay again? Maybe maybe we should look. Maybe we should prepare (laughs) and see. Oh, my gosh. We normally are prepared when we do a podcast. This is uh, this is not like us. Sorry, guys. Yeah, both 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 were assists by Finlay. I was right. Way to go, Finlay! Way to go. Which right, like they were the two. This is kind of a cliche and analysis of this game, but they were the two attacking, traditionally attacking minded players that were actually playing up front. Finlay being on the wing, Hunu up top, but right, like it was Hayes in the center. Typically, you think of Hayes as being more of a midfielder, even a defensive midfielder, and Hassani Dotson on the left wing. So it was great to see our two more attacking minded players being so effective in this game and combining together for two two goals.
0: Yeah, and I know and I know like, you know, Finlay, Finlay obviously like I think we know his optimal role is to be the change of pace guy, right? He has not been wowing us as a a full like a starter. Lately, But I think, you know, obviously two assists, this was probably his best, probably one of his best games of the year. And it was definitely Adrian Hanu's best game of the year.
1: And we needed it. We really needed it. I was talking earlier. Minnesota United fans were pessimistic heading into this game. Even Ethan Finlay kind of made some comments that didn't seem the most optimistic in the world based on the team's identity or lack of identity on offense this season, the team is now in fifth place, which I think just (laughs) like, think about that for a second, that fifth place. And I I get that. I get that fifth place to eighth place and missing a playoff game. That's 31 points. Uh, 31 points is what Minnesota United is currently at in fifth place. Vancouver is in eighth place with 26 points. So it's not like there's just this huge buffer and Minnesota United is just coasting to the playoffs. But think about the pessimism that exists when the team is in fifth place. That that really does kind of say something about where just the expectations are for this team, both internally within the team itself and within the fan base, but but also like how big was this game to to because we're we're at 31 points. If we would have lost that game, if we would have lost that game and be at 28 points, then we're just 1 point ahead from Portland in 6th place. We're just 2 points ahead of Vancouver in 8th. So losing that game really would have been the difference between okay Maybe we were overreacting a little bit. Maybe we got, may, maybe we're in a more comfortable position than we maybe realized. And
0: oh man, the sky actually is falling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were pretty, we were pretty bummed after two draws, you know, two draws in a row. Doom, know, and gloom. Put, doom and gloom. But, you know, I, I think the fact that we are able to kind of, grow a little, not, a, I guess not necessarily lead, but like kind of space ourselves out a little bit in that fifth spot, you know, like that, not that I ever want a loss to happen in our next game against Seattle. Cause you know, Seattle is really good, but it, it puts a little pressure. It takes a little pressure off that, you know, a loss there isn't the end of the world. Like So, cause we're playing at Seattle in our next match. I think it was, was, was it James that shared this uh Bruce, Bruce Wolf, Wolfie MN tweet talking about, you know, how the team has done since the 0 four start. Do you, was that you or was that James that sent that out in the group chat?
1: I know I sent it out, but sometimes I have a tendency to send out tweets that, um, James already sent.
0: So (laughs) (laughs) you and me both, man, uh, Bruce Wolf, uh, said, so since the 0 four start, they are eight, two and seven which is tied for the fewest losses with Nashville in that period, tied for the fourth most points behind New England, Seattle, and Sporting Kansas City, who are three great teams. The 14 goals allowed in 17 games is the fewest allowed in MLS. 14, so I'll say it again. 14 goals in 17 games is the fewest allowed in the MLS. And I think one of the, 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 what he finishes with, I think, is a great thing to keep in mind is that 17 games is not a trend it's half, it is half the season, and then he finishes it with props to the Loons. I think that uh, just kind of how we got here kind of leads to kind of the negativity. But if you, I don't know. I don't know if you would have told me halfway through the season if we were in fifth place. Maybe I'd be upset with you. But I don't know. Maybe we'd be like, okay, right? That seems reasonable. Well, and it's all relative, too, because I think
1: we often forget MLS is a parody league. And a lot of us are fans of the English Premier League or La Liga or Bundesliga. I wouldn't say that those are parody leagues. The English Premier League has, I I mean, realistically, the English Premier League has four teams that have a shot at winning the title. Yes, offense, James. Yes, offense, Nate. Um, (laughs) I don't know how many teams have a chance at winning the MLS title, but it's sure as hell more than four. I don't even know which team is going to win the West, much less factoring in the East. I mean, how many people predicted Columbus to come away with it all last year? Right. So MLS is a parody league and you see the Loons having some struggles, but they're not losing ground in the table. So other teams are having these struggles too. It is all relative. The sky seems like it's falling at times in Minnesota. But what's that sky look like in Portland? What's that sky look like in Seattle, who was off to a great start, but is starting
0: to slip a little bit. What about LAFC, right? I I always bring up them. They are, they're still in rough shape, right? They're in 11th. Yeah.
1: I don't even know how that's possible. I I, I don't even know how that's possible. And I, I did. So, right, like I was on podcast paternity leave during the last episode. And really I was on podcast paternity leave during the previous, like at least two Minnesota United games. I, I don't really think I got a chance to watch those cause I was either right. I was either with my wife in the hospital or, um, kind of taking care of a brand new baby right after, but Colorado, I, I listened to the episode and you guys talked about Colorado finally kind of being really in the Western Conference mix. And you guys gave me credit for calling that out earlier in the season as one of my predictions. That was not my prediction. I actually teased Alex of the dummy run for making that prediction. I told him people always think that Colorado is the dark horse and people always think that it's going to be Colorado's year. And I'm like, it never is. I'll believe it when I see it. So that 100% was Alex for predicting Colorado would have a successful season. They are currently in third place on 38 points, two ahead of LA Galaxy at 36, which are in fourth place, and then Minnesota United in fifth
0: with 31 points. I th- I think that that we we should be helpful moving forward, right? We talked about how, you know, obviously all those guys are injured, but man, we have we have some good players expected to come back. Now, who knows what Reynoso's timetable is, but we know that Franco Fragapane, we know that Robin Ludd, and who else am I missing that they said would be back? Nico Hansen, I think it was as well. Those, All three of them will be back for sure in this next game against Seattle. Our MO is being a really stout defensive team. That is happening right now. Our team is doing fantastic on the defensive end. We just need goals to be scored. We look at a situation like this game that just happened against Houston, a team that we should beat. They punch us in the face. We hold hold firm from the, from then on in the game and find a way to score two goals to win it. Like that's that's a recipe for success for us moving forward, right? Minimize the damage, find ways to score goals. I, I would love to see some three three nothing games, two nothing games. Hopefully, we can start seeing those again. But these one goal wins, like this is what we're used to. So I'm happy to see that. And I'm, I'm hopeful moving forward that, that we can continue to grow, you know, gain points, move up the table. You know, I think James always brings up th- the difference between us and Seattle. And not that 11 points is nothing, but there's a chance, right? Like if we can stay hot and we can have a nice little run. You know, we win this game against Seattle, you know, that's a that's a big moment for us, right? That shortens the the distance between us. I guess my hope at this point of the season is that I'd really like us to find a way to get into the top 4, get that home playoff game. I don't think that's unreasonable for us to gain 5 points, right? Some there, there's going to be moving and shaking. Like you said, it's a league of parity. Who knows what the the, the rest of the season is going to look like for the teams ahead of us. Let's hope that we can catch one of them.
1: Yeah. And I don't necessarily think it's a given, but I definitely believe it should be a goal. And I don't think it's too far fetched of a goal to say that Minnesota United can be a top four team when all is said and done this regular season. All right. So we are going to take a break. We're going to send you off to the next segment. It's me interviewing Nate. I actually am giving him the opportunity to sort of preview his new podcast. He's going to tell you all about it, and he's going to give you a preview of the U.S. Men's National Team as they head into World Cup qualifiers. So if you're interested in U.S. Men's National Team, if you're interested in the World Cup qualifiers, you want to hear from Nate. He definitely knows what he's talking about. And even if those things don't interest you, he does have a he does have a really cool analysis on Finito Addy who that of course i put that analysis way at the end so you're going to have to you know you're you're going to have to give Nate that preview that he deserves we will be right back all right listeners welcome back for a special segment we have a special guest here longtime listeners of the show will remember our good friend Nate Portland Timbers fan. Nate, how are you doing?
2: I'm good, Tim. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah. So, Nate, the reason we have you on today is you've had so much fun being on Pod on You Loons. You've made a couple of appearances on my other podcast, the Pub Trivia Group, as well, but you've had so much fun podcasting that you are starting your own podcast. It's about I think it's about the U.S. men's national team and World Cup qualifiers. I'm not totally sure yet, but that's why I have you on to
2: find out. Just first of all, what's your podcast called, man? Yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, first of all, thanks for inspiring me to get into podcasting. I've, I've had a blast on recording with you and Justin and trivia as well. So the podcast is called American Podligans. And okay. it is a U.S. men's national team at this point-focused podcast. Uh, we're going to take our listeners through this upcoming World Cup qualifying cycle.
1: I like it. Now, when's that first episode going to be out?
2: Uh, so we are recording in the next couple of days, probably tomorrow night. Some uh, The plan is to have it out uh, before the first qualifier against El Salvador on Thursday. And then we'd do a second episode after this first round of qualifying. And so we'd basically, the plan right now is to bookend the World Cup qualifiers and have kind of a preview and a review episode for each set of three qualifiers.
1: I like it. And, you know, we we have a lot of fun on Pot On You Loons, Justin, James, and I, but one, one thing I like about whenever we have you on specifically, and I've had listeners comment on this too, Nate, I'm not just trying to butter you up. Like people that don't know me super well have written into me to say, wow, they really appreciated Nate's insight on that. You know, a lot about soccer, right? You, you've been a longtime player yourself. You coach at the club level and at the high school level, you would have some involvement with Minneapolis city with the supporters group and all of that. So you're a good soccer mind, you know, definitely more of one than the three of us, uh, regular hosts on the show. We learn a lot from you and I know our listeners have too. So wait, sorry. American Podligans, American Podligans, American Podligans. We'll, we'll have something, some sort of a link or whatever in the show notes for our listeners to check out. Guys, you want to hear from someone that really knows their stuff? Give American Podligans a try. I'm assuming your co-host knows a thing or two, too?
2: Yeah, so uh, kind of weird circle connection. So Joe and I used to teach together back in Arizona a number of years ago, and he reached out to me kind of out of the blue uh, like last winter about putting together a podcast, and then uh, the thing he had in mind never kind of panned out and so then he was like hey you want to do one in, around US soccer and I was like sure so let's do it yeah so he and I used to get together and watch matches when we were down in Yuma so I'm looking forward to it he's a good guy I think we'll bring we'll bring a nice balance of opinion which will be good so give us a shout and uh, we've got a Twitter handle as well we've got a Twitter account going on so just search up American Podligans
1: we will do that I'll put that in the show notes everyone so check it out but World Cup qualifiers are starting so you you can't just come on and introduce your podcast give it a plug without talking us through it a little bit because I have been very honest Uh, we like the US Men's National Team we give them a shout anytime there's a game coming up But I am not someone that knows a lot about the U.S. men's national team. And I just kind of before having you on here, I went through the schedule and I am not just doing this for the sake of the show. I'm not following a script right now. I am honestly a little bit like I think I get it, but I'm not 100 percent. I get it. So we're in what they call the final round. But there are eight teams in the final round and we have our first three games coming up. El Salvador, Thursday, September 2nd. Canada, Sunday, September 5th. And Honduras, Wednesday, September 8th. And then there's a little bit of a break. We're back to MLS. We're back to EPL or whatever league you're watching. Then we got Jamaica, Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico, and then each of those seven teams one more time. All of this between now and March 30th. That's a lot of games. My question for you, Nate, is... Of these eight teams that are here, how is it going to be determined who advances?
2: Well, so the the easy explanation for that is, you know, any of the t- of the top three teams are guaranteed a slot. So oh, finish like table top, style? Finish so it's table style. So okay. you get three points for a win, you get a point for a draw. So top top three teams are gonna advance to the World Cup in fall of next year, as crazy as that sounds, in Qatar. And then the fourth place team is going to play off against a team from another confederation to seal that last spot. So, and it'll be really interesting because this is the first time that CONCACAF has had this octagonal final table in qualifiers past. It's been a hex. So it's been six teams. The United States and Mexico and some of the stronger teams usually get their, get a buy at least until the second group, if not the, the last group. But so there's more teams this time around. There's more games because of COVID, because of everything that's happened in the last year and a half. Everything's going to be a lot more condensed. So whereas previously you might have two qualifiers uh, in an international break, this time around there's going to be three. Which is almost like playing the group stage of a tournament every time you go around. Yeah. Um. So it's going to be really interesting. But yeah, base the the basic math is you finish top three, you book a ticket to the World Cup.
1: Number four gives you a gives you a chance.
2: Yeah, gives you a home and away. And in years past, I don't. I haven't looked yet. I got to do this research before I record mine. So you get me kind of my my pre answer, but. Years past, it's been against Oceania, so like New Zealand. Uh, Yeah, I remember So it's not, you know, it's not, you know, uh, when it was in Russia in 2018, I think it was Panama who was the fourth place team, and they qualified, and they ended up, you know, going to the World Cup because they beat New Zealand. So you see what happens. So,
1: So a question I have, and you just said home and away, if they place fourth, whoever places fourth has a home and away against a team from another confederation but these eight teams are these home and aways or is it like the gold cup where it's just being played in NFL stadiums throughout the United States?
2: No, this is home and away. So the U S plays in El Salvador on, and that, you know, the travel of this is going to be pretty crazy. So they play in El Salvador on Thursday night. I don't know the time zone in El Salvador. I imagine it's central. I would assume, but most of Central America is, but it's a 9. PM central kickoff So it's going to be a late kickoff on Thursday and they come back and they're playing in Nashville. So same, no, sorry, Eastern time zone on Sunday. And that's a five o'clock kickoff, I think central time. So, you know, Sunday evening, and then they've got to travel to Honduras for the third match. So, you know, the travel schedule is not going to be easy for any of these teams. It's not like Europe where you jump on a quick puddle jumper and pop over to another country. So the the travel I think will play a factor.
1: Yeah, for sure. That that is interesting. I mean, we we complain about even in the United States, right? Even in the MLS, the travel time really does impact a team season. This is crazy, right? This this is absolutely crazy. I always thought it was a little silly that the United States gets to whole host the Gold Cup every year or these tournaments that they're always just in the United States. I've always thought that that was a little silly, that it wasn't totally fair, but this is the fair way of doing things. And this sounds crazy. Yeah. Okay. I learned something new tonight.
2: Yeah. I mean, but think about it. Even when, even when Russia hosted the world cup, um, and I don't remember all of the host locations, right? So, you know, obviously Russia is a big country. So teams are going to be traveling, but there's large swaths of Russia that are left alone, or, right. are left alone, are not going to be hosting matches. So it's mostly the western portion of the country in Qatar, right? Even if there's, I don't know how many different cities they have that are hosting games, but there's not going to be much travel time, right? So right. It's essentially the
1: size of Minneapolis, <laughs> right?
2: Um, so these major tournaments, right, that are. In most countries, even the Euros this last summer where you had multiple host countries and most multiple host sites, right, there wasn't that much travel. And, you know, you had teams that certainly benefited by being able to play most of their group games at home anyway. You know, I, I think it's a reason why probably the U.S. gets a knock in terms of hosting. And, you know, in 2026, obviously, it's coming here. Um, And to Canada and Mexico as well. That's going to be an interesting tournament format and how they, you know, how they structure that with team travel and all that. Because, you know, travel is a big thing. It's, you know, stuff spread out. So. So with this
1: tournament, though, like you're you're inspired right now to start a podcast. The American Podlegans. So you must be excited about these World Cup qualifiers. U.S. men's national team, obviously infamously missed out on the 2018 World Cup but you got to be excited about something to get a podcast going just a couple years after that so what has you excited about the U.S. men's national team right now
2: yeah I mean I think it's really interesting looking at the state of U.S. soccer over the last four years and by no means do I think we've arrived you know there there is no you know, this search for an American Messi or whatever is chaotic at best. But, you know, I think that the thing that's so interesting is, if you go back to post 2014 World Cup, actually, um, and Jürgen Klinsmann made some really, at the time, they were seen as controversial statements around the US needing to have more players playing in Europe. You look at the makeup of this team. It is a European based team. And you look at the number of young players who have come up through the national team system. I mean, we're not just talking about, you know, there are some dual nationals and whatever, but like, it's not just guys that grew up overseas anymore. It's guys that grew up in the States that then when they came time to sign their professional contracts in lieu of playing college soccer in the United States decided to go overseas um, you know, Josh Sargent springs to mind as kind of the main guy, um, right? But you've got Gio Reyna, who signed for Dortmund after Pulisic left. Uh, and, you know, he's been playing first team football. Um, Tyler Adams. Um, you've got lots of guys that, that this kind of applies to. So I think that the really interesting thing is, you know, the, the U.S. has bounced back and they've, they've really done what Klinsmann said they should have done, even though he ended up getting fired in the middle of the cycle. The thing that, you know, I think is interesting and the the thing that to give a sneak preview of our podcast, you know, the first question we're going to address is what has to change in this cycle to make sure that we qualify? Um, And I'm not going to give away all my answers. You got to come listen. You got to come listen to my podcast. But I I guess the the
1: next question I have for you, though, is how confident are you that this isn't going to end in another disaster?
2: Oh, I am 95%, 95 to 99% confident. You know, with sport, anything obviously can happen, but I would, it would be shocking if the group of players that the United States has put together, especially considering the fact that the senior coaching staff has taken most of these players that were named to the provisional squad and won the CONCAF, you know, Nations Cup tournament in the spring and beat Mexico in a final with that group and then took another group of mostly MLS-based players and won a Gold Cup. So I think that the coaching is there, um, and I think that the talent pool is there, and I think that this is definitely the deepest talent pool that U.S. soccer has ever had, which when you look at you know injuries and tight fixtures and all of that, like, you could start any of the 26 guys that are on this provisional roster, and I think you're putting out a team that can secure three points especially in this first three match groups right and you come out of this with nine points you're in real good standing
1: so what teams then what Concacaf teams in this tournament do you expect to be challenging for that top three or even top four finish
2: i mean obviously you know mexico is going to be as close to a shoe-in for the world cup as you can get you know anything less and they'll be going through multiple coaches. They fired
1: the, the team. The team that lost to the United States in two consecutive finals. Correct.
2: Right. More of that, a shoe you know, in than us. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think that you know they're so. Greg Burhalter's Greg Berhalter's job wasn't on the line in either of those finals. The fact that Tata Martino lost to Berhalter twice, lost to the U.S. twice, he's gone. Correct. I mean, that's a that's he's a quality coach. He was a quality hire for them. You know, and at the time, both Mexico and the United States had coaching vacancies. You know, I was advocating for them to try and hire Martino. He was coaching in the U.S. He was coaching at at Atlanta United. So I think that, you know, obviously the U.S. and Mexico, I think, are the two favorites. Costa Rica has had a lot of success on the international stage. I think a lot of their roster is aging. So are they still in that cream portion with the U.S. and Mexico? I don't know that they are, but they're certainly dangerous and they're certainly going to provide you know, tough opposition in those two matches. And then you've got to look at, in CONCACAF on the road, anything can happen. Nothing is guaranteed. I think the difference and the difference maker for the US this time around is going to be the fact that so many of those players are used to playing in hostile environments because they play in Europe week in and week out. Do they play in CONCACAF hostile? Probably not, but they're going to be prepared for that. Because the competition is that much higher, and I think that our quality is just that much higher. So I think that you know that we're pretty safe. I think Honduras is going to provide um, some t- tough competition, and then I think that you know Panama as well always provides a tough test. I think Canada is a dark horse. Jonathan David, their striker, plays in Europe. You've got Alfonso Davies, who's a you know Bayern prodigy you know, Canada has a really up and coming program. Are they going to qualify? I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I wouldn't put money that they're going to. So those are the teams that I'm looking at. And those are the players that I'm looking at. Um, I think it, you know, the fact that the U S and doesn't have Mexico or Costa Rica right off the bat is super helpful. So we see them down the road, we can get some points under our belt and then it takes a little bit of the pressure off of those matches.
1: I like it. Now, Nate, anything else you want to talk about regarding the U.S. Men's National Team, World Cup qualifiers? You're you're the guru, right? You're the guy that knows about this. What am I missing, man? What are you missing? Yeah.
2: Oh, man. I mean, you just got to come listen to my podcast. I am going to listen to your yeah. podcast. You know, I, I think the, the thing that I'm most excited about is to just watch and see how this group comes together because these fixtures really are like mini tournaments. And the thing that I liked the most, and I didn't watch a ton of the gold cup, but I did watch the final and I didn't watch a ton of the nation's the nation's league, but I did watch the final. And the thing that stuck out to me was the grit that the squad had and the fact that they just weren't going to lose. I mean, the U S conceded one goal in the gold cup, one goal in an entire tournament that's going to be, that's going to play a factor. So how does that translate to the qualifiers where you get a little bit less prep time and you get guys, you know, that are in season, maybe they've got, you know, some nagging injuries, all of that. But, but how does that translate? So that's the thing that I'm most excited to look at. And just the fact that they're, they're clearly pushing each other and there's clearly uh, just lots of guys that have a desire and, and, you know, from Pulisic to Gio Reyna, like all these guys that are in their young twenties and they just like, they get it and they want to represent their country and they want to do well, but they also want to get after it as professionals. So I think that that'll be the fun thing, you know, playing, playing for country is a whole different ball game, uh, than playing for club because, you know, those, those stakes are just different. So that's what I'm excited for.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm excited to watch these games. I've never gotten into the US men's national team as much as I've maybe wanted to and since starting Loons, this is the first time this is like the first big tournament that the US men's national team has been a part of and so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Justin and I have been talking more about international soccer. James and I have been talking more about international soccer. You're in the mix now. You know, we don't always mention this to the to the listeners, but we we have you texting Justin and I at least weekly about various games going on. So I think I'm more likely to get into it this time around. Uh, and shoot, maybe I'll get so into it that you guys will have me as a as a guest host on American Podligans
2: for sure. Well, and you know if you're in the Twin Cities area and you're looking for some place to watch. You know, the um, Blackheart in St. Paul always shows games. And then the other place to go watch matches is the American Outlaws Bar, which is the Crooked Pint. There's one in downtown Minneapolis. That's where they usually go. So a couple places if you're looking for um, some community to watch international soccer with, you know, Blackheart and Crooked Pint. I would definitely recommend. You may even run into me there Come say (laughs) hi.
1: Back when I was a little cooler, I would uh, go to the American Outlaws watch party in Madison when I was living there. That was around the time of Copa America, the 2016 Copa America. Good times. I was a little cooler back then. Didn't have kids, but also didn't have as many dad jokes. So
2: There you go. Hey, man.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I was just going to say, I realized I had a couple of questions for you. Yeah. So first one is, right, we haven't been talking about Minnesota United at all for the past 25 minutes, but our listeners will be interested to hear your answer to this question. So Farnindo Addy, recently signed by Minnesota United as a free agent, so signed him on a free transfer. He looked good. He subbed on for Minnesota in the second half last night and was very involved in the second Adrian Hunu goal which gave Minnesota United the lead against Houston Dynamo. He was a Portland Timber guy. And looking back, it looks like he was even a Portland Timber guy that scored some goals against Minnesota United in our MLS opener uh, that we just got crushed by. He did have a couple, yeah. Yeah, so just what are your memories of Addy? Like, what are your memories? What can we expect uh, to see now that he is in black and blue?
2: Oh, man. Uh, Fernando Addy brings back, you know, tons of just really great memories. You know, he is, so he's from Nigeria. He played at FC Copenhagen. We brought him in on loan and then ended up purchasing him as a DP. He was in his, you know, early twenties at that point. And the guy is huge. He's like six, four. And I just remember the first couple matches seeing him come in and just the way he moved was for a big guy was phenomenal. I mean, you know, if you so imagine like how awkward Peter Crouch moves around, but then like imagine Peter Crouch moving with like the the grace of Emmanuel Adebayor. He's a big guy. He's like six three, but he just that guy just floats through the air. I think Adi and and Ad as. Spurs fans referred to him as Adebayor were just, you know, they're, they're very comparable. I think that um, Caleb Porter turned Adi into more of a kind of post-up player, which is a little bit too bad for me, but you know, Adi scored some great goals scored, you know, he's prolific for the Timbers up top, led us to an MLS cup. So, you know, he's got championship quality, Um, you know, obviously he's a little bit older he's kind of bounced around in recent years, but I think that, um, you know, obviously he's, he's a class guy. And if you're hurting up top, you know, I think that he can certainly provide the thing that I think that will be interesting to see is how he fits in with this group. Because I think that, you know, the, the style that he played when he came into MLS is more the style that Minnesota United plays is more of that kind of free flowing, you know, work through the center mids and through the wings to get to the striker versus work through the striker to get the ball forward. So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how he plays a role. um, Especially given that he's got, you know, quite a few more miles on the, on the legs at this point, but you know, got nothing, nothing bad to say about him. Much respect to him. And, you know, I think that you guys have a class individual. if nothing else.
1: Yeah, I'm looking 120 appearances for Portland, 50 goals. But since leaving Portland, he has made twelve appearances with FC Cincinnati in one goal, eleven appearances with Columbus crew and zero goals. He obviously would have won the title with them though last year, and then was a free agent. So only thirty. So we're we're talking about him being old, but I know I know thirty, right? Like that that is
2: thirty in soccer years is not thirty in world years.
1: Yes, right.
2: Especially, especially as a striker, I mean, you look at what you look at what Jamie Vardy has done as a thirty-plus striker in the Premier League is phenomenal. I mean, he came out of nowhere as an over thirty, basically. Like that doesn't happen. So,
1: yeah, but Minnesota United has some thirty-year-olds on the team. We they
2: do, yeah, we do. That, and- that could that could contribute to your notes about your injury problems. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. A conversation that at the time of recording hasn't taken place. But if you're listening, you would have already heard Justin and I talk about our injury problems. So we, we will see. Nate, I'll, I'll give you just uh, another just kind of quick, quick uh, question for you about one of your other teams. On this show, we tease Tottenham a lot. And I feel bad about that because I know just statistically, we probably have some Tottenham fans out there who are loyal listeners to the show. And we're happy that you're here. And today, for the first time in history, I thought that this was a cool stat. For the first time in history, Tottenham is on top of the Premier League table while Arsenal is in dead last. Is there anything you want to say about that?
2: It brings joy to my heart. It's a great day. Uh, no, that's, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get, you know, blow things too out of proportion. It's three matches in they're on top of the league by two, you know, by two points, they're ahead of Arsenal by nine points. You know, is it fun? Yes. Do I hate Arsenal? Absolutely. Am I going to come on your show to bash Arsenal? Nah. Uh, I mean,
1: hold on because James loves Arsenal and he bashes Tottenham on the show all the time.
2: That's okay. I'll be the better man.
1: I I bash Tottenham just as much.
2: Well, all right, man. Thank you
1: so much for coming on, doing a segment with us. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, one more time.
2: Yeah, of course, man. One more time. Free buzz. I will. By the way, I've decided that uh, Pot on You Loons is going to be a sponsor of American Podligans. I love it.
1: I love it. I appreciate it. Your
2: first. You've got your first uh, sponsor deal. <laughs> so
1: awesome man okay that will definitely be in the show notes and we will if you follow pod pod loons on Twitter we will give them some shout outs as well on our main Twitter page all right thank you again Nate thanks for having me pod we'll on See you, you later <laughs> pod right. on you loons yeah <laughs> all right Justin and I kind of we, t- we talked all about what it's like being a teacher coming back into the school year and what it's like trying to host a podcast at the same time and how difficult it is. We talked all about Minnesota United's 2-1 victory at Houston. And then Nate and I, we talked a little bit about the World Cup qualifiers and the U.S. Men's National Team and let him preview his new podcast. Justin, you have anything else you want to talk about?
0: Well, I'm, I'm, you know, on, on that note of the World Cup qualifiers, very thankful to see that Christian Pulisic uh, avoided, I don't know, did he have COVID? Or, like, do we know if he had COVID when it's all said and done? Regardless, I'm very happy to see that he will be uh, on the squad, uh, or at least is training with the team. Hopefully, we'll see him in one of those matches. But I'm looking forward to some U.S. men's national team And then I'm looking forward to to seeing our Loons play the, the top team in the West, Seattle Sounders. Yeah. U.S. men's national team against El
1: Salvador, Thursday, September 2nd. U.S. men's national team against Canada, Sunday, September 5th. U.S. men's national team against Honduras, Wednesday, September 8th. And then it's Minnesota United at Seattle, Saturday, September 11th. So we... It's it's September now, which is crazy to think about, but we have a lot of soccer coming up in the next week and a half. So, man, it's going to be enjoyable. Looking forward to it. Cool. Well, guys, <laughs> man, I, I am so proud of this podcast. We are at, what is it, episode 65, 66, 67. We're We're in the upper 60s at this point. I am so proud of this podcast. I'm so proud of what we have accomplished, Justin and and James and our friends, Nate and Jeremy and Cameron and, you know, the dummy run guys and Jeremy who have come on and kind of helped us out. I'm so proud of what we have accomplished. This was not my best episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it, man. Everyone (laughs) understands, right? Life, life, life happens. I I am sleep deprived uh, with the newborn and
1: I am uh, I am kind of all wrapped up in this new job. But when we are back after the Seattle game, we are going to be back in full force. I can
0: promise you that. So, yeah, we're getting a little we're getting our own little international break.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, much. We were not called up. Let's just say that. (laughs) Hitting that hot tub and just kind of hitting the reset button. So I I guess my sign off today is going to be a little bit different than normal. And it's gonna be a little cliche in like a 2010 sense, but I'm gonna say, keep calm and pot on you loons. <laughs> pot on you loons.
0: Peace out. Peace.